Hello and welcome to the Iowa Basketball Coaches Association podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dangler. Before we start, I just want to encourage those of you who coach in the state of Iowa to join the IBCA this season. As a member, in addition to a $2 million insurance policy for your staff, you'll also get access to our Coaches Corner and Lucio Whiteboard. Your team will become eligible for either all region or all state awards and much more. If you're interested, go to our website's link, which should be included in the description below if you have any questions or need more information. All right, let's get to the show. Coaches, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Happy to have Josh Davis, the head boys basketball coach at Comanche High School. Coach, thanks for coming on today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'll start you uh, with this question. Um, since your time as a player, what's your favorite way that basketball has evolved? Uh, what do you enjoy about how the game has changed over time? So I'm a guard. I'm a little guard. I'm a little point guard. So uh, having the game opened up more, um, some more uh, the, the acceptance of the three-point shot, obviously, um, is as big difference than it was back in the 80s and 90s when I was playing. So um, when I was a point guard in late 90s at high school, we were thrown into the big guy and get out of the way. Um, and now uh, um, guards have more autonomy to shoot and do some more things. So it's definitely opened up. Um, the speed of the game is a lot different. So that's, that's the majority of what I enjoy most about how the game has changed. Yeah, absolutely. That space. Let those little guys get in there. Who doesn't? Yeah, that? Yeah. Um, so, Coach, jump into your background here. Like I said at the top, uh, head boys coach at Comanche. Um, take me back to um, after your time as a player, uh, how you got into coaching, where you've been, and how you ended up at Comanche. Yeah, so I, I played at Cornell College uh, under Ed Tim there, who's now the Mount Vernon uh, High School coach. So played there, um, got done in 2001 as college career and uh jumped in to actually assistant here at kind of school I'm from it in Iowa originally which is right next door to uh to Comanche um did that for a year and then was at Northeast my first uh teaching job was at Northeast helped out Kevin Enright on the basketball team there had a couple back-to-back -back state appearances at Northeast Goose Lake um, and then decided to kind of follow tried to get into college coaching so I was at Ashford University, which was Mount St. Clair University slash Franciscan University. It was kind of going through some name changes and some and being bought until it was Ashford University. So I went through some name changes there, um, but was there for um, five or six years doing that. And then had the opportunity to be a head college coach at Clinton Community College. So I was a junior college coach there for a couple of years. Um, was only 27 at the time. So definitely one of the youngest coaches in the country at a college uh, program, uh, but got a chance to really cut my teeth against, you know, the Kirkwoods, the Indian Hills, the DMAX, um, some of those schools. And um, Clinton Community College is uh, it's a nice little local university, but we did not have our own gym. We didn't even have dorms. Um, we had kids living at a hotel uh, in town. And then um, I wasn't working at the college. I would pick them up before I went to teach and take them to school. I had one of the secretaries lined up to take them home. And then we would find a gym for the day, whether it was at the YMCA or the, at the high school or the rec center. So gym times and um, gym locations changed all the time. So again, I would try to find some sort of van or a little bus and pick them up for practice and get them there. And then on uh, 
game days, I'd have to take a personal day off of my teaching job to, to take them out to Iowa Lakes or wherever it was at to, to play games and things like that. So um, I was 27. Some of the guys on my JUCO team were 25. Um, at the baby fade, I'd walk into a gym and no one would know where our coach was. They'd ask me where the coach was. And I just, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm him, I'm coach Davis. Um, but had a lot of fun, was able to uh, really learn how to do recruiting and balancing a lot of those, those things. So, um, uh, but after a couple of years, the college um, was going to start closing its doors for some different reasons. So I uh, was living in Comanche at that time and decided to uh, see how it would be, be back at the high school level. Um, had a little young family and was missing a lot of time with my, my son and daughter being gone. The college game's tough, tough gig on, on the family and the wife and on some of those things. So jump back in here and I've been here for, this will be year 13 uh, at Comanche. So um, had a program that had not had a winning season in about 20 years prior to us getting here and slowly but surely built up a nice program. And um, last few years been, you know, one of the better teams in 2A, I think. Awesome, Coach. I really, that's a great story. Uh, lots of great tidbits there. Um, a couple of things I'd like to highlight. You said a couple of names already, but um, who are some of the influences for you to get into coaching? Yeah, so my high school coach, Randy Teamer, um, won a state title at Clinton in the 90s. I played for him. I really enjoyed that. And then played for uh, Ed Tim at Cornell for four years. And um, a lot of our, my defensive philosophy and what we do on defense stems from his mm -hmm. fundamentals. Um, it's changed throughout the years and different things, but a lot of things from that um, stem from that. Um, Kevin Enright was a very successful coach at, at Northeast Goose Lake. Um, really learned a lot about the high school game from him. Uh, and, and more importantly, the small school high school game. So like, there's just a big difference between and I'm not talking about talent or anything like that. I'm talking about 2A, 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, just the style of basketball. I think, um, you know, playing 4A basketball and then playing college basketball, um, I wasn't aware of all the nuances for the smaller school stuff in terms of boxes in one, triangles in two, zones, presses. You know, I still think 4A has a lot of, um, I mean, you say the word vanilla, but it's a lot of, it's, it's half court man defense. Mm -hmm you know, and, and that's what the college game was for a lot of years. So learning some of those nuances on attacking a triangle into or zone press break, things that you don't really see in the college game. I didn't see at the big school. Um, Kevin Enright was a big influence uh, on that. And then working with Andy Eberhardt at the college level, um, he was really super professional guy and just kind of taught me how to approach things from a more of a manager's and how to manage the big picture rather than not just get caught up on a single play or a single single game. So those are some local Iowa guys that I've really um, patterned some of my stuff around. Absolutely. Well, I think we all have those kinds of people. So happy to have you to give you a chance maybe to share their names there a little bit. And then yeah. I guess I'll ask you um, just because I'm interested to compare and contrast the, you know, your experience at a small college versus high school. I'm sure there's, you know, great things about both. And there's some things that are challenging about both, but I'll just leave it open-ended to kind of compare and contrast those experiences. Yeah. So, I mean, I got, I got some great junior college stories. If you, if you want to get into some of those, you know, life of as a young coach. So I think um, recruiting is the number one thing that's different. Yeah. And so when I first started recruiting, um, even at Ashford, cell phones weren't really a thing yet. So you'd make calls the best you could on the landline, trying to find a kid here or there. And 
when you're a small school on the Mississippi River, close to Illinois, you know, all that talent in Chicago and some of those areas is really calls to a young, young coach. They're trying to get in there and find kids. And I had a kid that I was recruiting from Detroit, Michigan. So I went to a, some sort of all-star thing there one summer. Uh, saw this, you know, diamond in the rough, you know, going to recruit, talk to him. He's on a train. I'm going to pick him up. It's my first big recruit to grab as a, as a junior college coach and go to the train station in, in, in Chicago. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. I waited about four hours. The kid never showed up. Um, get back on the car and go to the, go home, kind of tail between my legs. And the, uh, the coach that preceded me was still the AD at the, at the college. So I go into his office the next day and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. He didn't show up. And he just looked at me with a smile and said, welcome to junior college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> now the kid ended up coming, we ended up getting him, but it was just a uh, thing where you missed the train, but before cell phones, recruiting was a lot tougher sure. to, to, to do those things. And um, so that was number one difference is just recruiting, but then, you know, a small school, and again, most of it has been at a JUCO, um, you know, keeping um, the atmosphere that you want to have and that you want to promote uh, is sometimes difficult when you're managing a lot of um, players and athletes from different backgrounds and different expectations, different high schools and stuff. So um, it was tough to keep players uh, eligible for a while. We had, uh, um, you know, not being at the, at the school and, and being able to kind of help them through their academics was tough, but. We did play, uh, we played a game at Kirkwood one year. They were number two in the nation. Doug Wagonmaster was coaching there, legendary coach. And we went there with five players because we had some discipline issues that we had to deal with and some academic stuff. So five players in the first half, my best player broke his hand, could not play in the second half. So we perfected the box and none defense. So four on, four on 12, box and none. Um, but uh, it was definitely interesting. So then we had to get a couple of kids out of the hallway that had never really played before to round out our seasons. So we ended up playing with six. And, um, but it was one of the most fun times I've ever had coaching. We would just try everything. I mean, we would try it. We, and we had some talented, I mean, those four kids were super talented. We'd, we'd compete with teams. Um, we played at Indian Hills, who was number one in division one that year with six dudes. And we were up 22, 18 at the second media timeout that their coach had burned four timeouts. He was so upset. I'm sure they saw us warming up and didn't even give anything. They went on a <laughs> 85 to seven run at the end of the game. <laughs> but for those eight minutes, our kids played their hearts out and it was, it was some, so there's a lot of great memories from those small college days. Um, and a lot of great athletes and a lot of great kids that were able to kind of go on and do bigger and better things at four years, uh, universities, but a lot of those fun stories um, will always stay with me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing, Coach. I probably could dedicate some time to a whole hour on that, but I'll switch <laughs> it up here a little bit. Um, we'll jump into your your last your teams at Commands the last few years. Um, if you could describe uh, how those teams have played to someone who hasn't watched you guys at all, uh, how would you describe your team? Yeah. So, I mean, each year's kind of been a little bit different. You know, um, our first straight state trip in 2017, um, we shot a ton of threes. We led the state in um, attempts, makes, um, all sorts of percentages. I mean, we were just playing a lot of five out and, and played and just ran, ran up and down and uh, played some. We played two, three zone. We weren't deep. We just ran, run and gun and just tried to outscore people, you know, yeah. which was kind of fun. And then 
Um, we went back to back these last two years and we were more of a half court defensive team. Um, two years ago, we were super athletic and we we're up over the rim and, and, and probably one of the more athletic teams in 2A. And then this last year um, was kind of more of a grinder team. You know, we shot some threes, but um, we had more longer possessions. So it's, it's hard to kind of pigeonhole it into to, to overall, but definitely, I mean, we try to be up-tempo. I think we're one of the more up-tempo teams um, in this part of the state for sure. And then um, the last two years for sure, I, I would think people would, would talk about our defense and, and how we guard people. Absolutely. So one theme I'm already sensing, Coach, you're flexible here. We're going, you know, you're, you're picking guys up at trains that aren't showing up. You coach whatever you need to do to get to, to get that W. I like it. Um, let's talk about defensively then. Um, you, you mentioned you're up-tempo. You've mentioned you've switched defenses in the last few years from a um, 2-3. Uh, well, I guess maybe you didn't mention if you switched that or not. But maybe describe what you're trying to do on the defensive side of the ball most of the time. So – no matter what we're in, the goal for our team is to get a turnover, number one. Yep. Number two, we want to force the toughest twos possible. So um, we don't want to give up threes. We don't want to give up layups. Um, we want to give up the shots that we're not taking on our, our end. Um, so defensively, those are the biggest things. Like we'll always chase guys off the three-point line. We'll always really give big-time help on drives. Yep. Um, and whether we're in a two, three, a one, three, one, or a man to man, and that that's going to be the same. Our, our closeouts are always going to be the same. So we're always going to teach a closeout, you know, two hands high, splitting the inside, you know, not really given baseline, but for sure not given middle. Okay. Uh, and that's a consistent all the way through our program, even our youth program. Our closeouts are the same. And I think if you watch us play, you see us closing out, everyone closes out the same. Um, out of that stuff, then. You know, we, we just try to tailor our defense to whatever our, our players can do. You know, we have, we've had years we've had a, a, a decent big guy who doesn't move very well, and maybe we're going to just run a 2-3 and extend and try to push it to him. Um, we've had years where we've pressed a lot more than others. Um, when we're not as deep, we play more 2-3 zone. Um, this year in the summer, we've played probably 50. We have a really smart team coming in. Uh, really high IQ guys that play together a lot. So we'll play. Um, we were at the Mount Vernon um, team camp and the center point coach, Mike Calix, a good friend of mine. And he's like, you and your 85 different defenses in the summer. Um, <laughs> we played some two, three, some two, three traps some one, three, one, some, um, some man to man, some trap up, trap down. So it depends on what group kind of group we have. And we'll always adapt to different. We don't have and it works for some teams. Some teams are system teams. We're always going to zone. We're always going to press no matter what. Um, that's definitely not us. Uh, we definitely change not during the year, not as much. We kind of commit to something and, and stick with it throughout the year. Um, but we try to also at the younger levels play to their strengths. So we could be doing a man to man half court stuff at the varsity level, but our freshman team is pressing and playing one, three, one, because they got, you know, a bunch of big tall guys and there's something different. So, um, that's the best thing we try to do on defense. Absolutely. So just being flexible. Uh, you talked about one of the fundamentals though, that you're pretty, um, firm in and, and closeouts. Are there other things like that, that you're trying to teach, uh, fundamentally that you feel like is crucial to building the defense, regardless of what tactical formation you take? Sure. I mean, rebounding is number two. So, I mean, I mean, maybe not even number two, it's, I mean, it's up there. I, I guys know like, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get taken out of the game if I if I'm terrible at closing out or I'm not boxing out. Yep. Um, I'm coming defensively. I'm talking about. There's other things we can get into on offense that guys know they're not going to stay in the game very long. But uh, <laughs> closeouts and boxouts are two things that we do. We do it a lot, and we film it a lot. So like boxing out, there's not a great box out drill that simulates a game. There's just really not. I mean, it's just about. I mean, it might icing his heart. And so we have we have an assistant coach that'll be kind of watching box outs as we're playing five on five in our games, and it's something in our film. I mean, we break down defensive box outs as much as anything else because it is an effort thing and it's we really challenge them you know on their selfish nature of not boxing out yep. uh, and it's kind of a culture for our, our team I mean and then another our offensive end too if you're standing around if you're not crashing um, you're coming out of the game too because that just means you're tired or you think you're better than everybody else and don't have to rebound so I mean rebounding is 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 a big part of what we do and I think uh, teams from the outside or different fans or coaches might think that we take a lot of threes or, or quick shots or something, but what they don't realize is the rebounding aspect of that. Um, you know, in 2017, we led the state at three point attempts, but we got, we were getting 47% of our misses. Yeah. Oh my. You know, so we, the rebounding part of that was, was bigger than the made shots, but maybe not the average fan wouldn't, wouldn't see some of those things. So defensively wow. rebounding, re finishing with a rebound um, is the second part of that. It, it would not change no matter what, um, we're in now it might man to man and zone rebounding is different. Like we might, if we're in zones, we might have guys spot rebound some years. We Can might have guys that a little bit, maybe years. describe that a little bit coach. That was going to be my next question was how maybe your philosophy on rebounding changes when you're zone versus man. Yeah. So like, an, um, zone rebounding, um, like you think about your top guard, say a two, three zone and you got ball side, weak side. So the guy contesting the shot will contest the shot and um, the other, but the weak side rebounder will probably try to get to the nail, try to get to the free throw line area. Um, and then the three middle guys in the zone would kind of just kind of zone up in their area right there. So the top guards would be kind of the ones where we talk about um, spot rebounding yeah. uh, and a one, three, one, you know, your middle guy is always going to shot goes up. He's always thinking opposite opposite block. So it's a lot of times your center taken there. So it's almost like an X out in the one, three, one where your weak side wing might work to the middle, but your middle guy is always working to the backside. Um, and it's, it's hard to do without, without showing, but I think it makes sense. You just, yep. you're trying to get to areas where the balls are going to go the most and then um, trying to in a zone. Then also, I mean, out of that, where do you want to break from? You know, how do you, how is that rebounding going to turn into your offense? Yep. You know, so, if you have a two point guard system where the guy contesting the shot might be able to leak at a certain point to a wing and then the backside guard is going to be your outlet, no matter what, even if he's not your one or your two or whatever. Um, so those are things we look at each year and, and see what we can do. Absolutely. Um, uh, what was I going to ask? Uh, in the, do you find that's difficult for the boys to pick up? Uh, going from man to zone, if that changes over the course of the season, although I know you said that you try and kind of stay with something, or is there a key that you feel like you're delivering of like, okay, we're boxing on everybody and man, but now we have to work on the spots. Uh, is there something that you found is crucial to them being able to figure that out? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just reps. It's just reps in our, um, um, in what we do. And a lot of that comes out of when we go like five on five or our ODO series, so it's offense, defense, offense, three trips. Um, so we do a lot 
we've done more of that than drills in the last 10 years. We've got yeah. away from just the drill work and got more into the ODO and then breaking it down again. Um, so it is, it is, I mean, it's, it, it can be a, a teaching point. And if a team can't pick up those differences, we won't be a team. We won't be switching throughout the course yeah. of the year. Like if a team can pick it up, we'll switch out possessions. We'll come out of timeouts and different things. Um, if, if we can do that, that's great. We're better when we can do that. And the years that we can't pick that up necessarily, uh, maybe we're not as interchangeable. We won't be switching up as much, but it's definitely kind of finding, you know, can those guys pick up those, those teaching points or not. Um, and then how, how long are you or how natural are you to get to the ball? Cause that, that uh, can cover up a lot of your teaching mistakes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're all, whatever we do, we're all blessed. We got some kids who can do stuff. <laughs> uh, so, okay, let's switch it to the offensive side of the ball and I'll start with transition. You mentioned it already wanting to play up tempo, get out, shoot a bunch of threes, but um, you get the rebound. Uh, it's a missed shot. Let's say, uh, what are you guys looking to do? So we we're running lanes. So we're, we're a lane running team. Um, we are typically not like a numbered break where we have our one, two, three, four, and five. Um, we haven't been numbered in a while. Um, so in years where our big, I mean, last couple of years, we've been really good. We've had a, um, a center who's now playing at Kirkwood who, um, one year led us an assist. So he was taking it off the rim and he was just taking it. Yep. So it kind of just play off each other on who, who's getting the rebound. You know, we, we really have, all right, we might have, all right, um, Johnny and Billy, you guys are not able to bring the ball up the floor this year. If you're getting the rebound, we need an outlet from those guys. Anybody else gets it, they start to break. And so we kind of flow into there. So like wide and deep. Um, so ball side, if, if I'm running a lane that's ball side, I'm getting to the corner kind of below, um, below the area deep in that corner. Uh, first big out is looking to get to the rim. Um, second big is going to be trailing, looking for some sort of either ball screen or a way screen. Yep. The opposite wing is just going to wing. So we don't run, let's say we're up the right side. The first wing out is going deep right corner. On the left side, that wing is just running to the wing area. He wouldn't go also to the, to the, to the corner. He's going to be there. And then in a traditional break, let's say our five is already at the rim. Our point guard has the ball and we have a four trailer. So he's looking to go up the floor to the right side if he can. Um, there's years we have a point guard that can reverse the ball to the other wing to switch, yeah. the, switch the side of the break. Some years we don't have a point guard I trust to do that. Um, so we're looking to play up to get it in. But then that, that four man is kind of more the, tr the, the, the decision maker more than a point guard sometimes. Yep. Is, is he ahead of the ball where he's going to go screen that opposite wing for a curl getting her offense? Is he behind the ball where he's going to get a ball screen for a point guard? Um, so we want to try to give our point guard plenty of space. Um, we started moving up our, we were in a, in a situation where both of our wings were just run corner Yep. and our opposite corner. Then I thought just got stuck in that corner too much. Um, so we moved him up to and stayed in the wing and then let him play with our four a little bit. And if our four can shoot, then the opposite wing would be there for a flare screen right away. Just got more in the action a little bit more um, yep. than just running corner to corner on those type of things. So we're looking to play off of that. Um, and we play basketball. We, we don't have a lot of set plays. We yep. play out of transition. We try to get something early as, as quickly as we can. We feel like we can offer a rebound better on, on quick quality shots. Um, and then if we don't have something early, then we'll try to grind something out. And um, again, not really set it up and call a play, but just play out of those positions. 
Awesome. So I'll ask you two questions off of that coach. Maybe what are some of your actions you like to just flow into? Like you said, you're trying to just get up and play. And then what does it look like if that's not, that's taken away from you? Um, what, what are you grinding into? So the actions we want to get to, and this, this doesn't change year to year, but um, how we get there does. So my offensive philosophy is to, how can we get our best player with the most space? Yep. And, we know on defense, the hardest thing for us to do is close out. So how do we create closeouts for the other team? So we, we always talk about get your man in a closeout situation. And you can't do that by standing still. You get that by screening, by cutting and doing some of those things. So, um, and it really doesn't matter man or zone in our, in our transition. We're going to attack both those the exact same. But if we can get a ball reversal at some point in a drive and then a drive and then a, a kick kick. So if we can drive it, kick out, and then get another pass, we call those energy balls. And we kind of compare it to like um, the Space Jam, Space Jam 1, the original and only Space Jam. Um, <laughs> if we can, you know how the ball just starts, every time it gets passed, it starts to glow a little bit more with more energy into it. Uh, we call those energy balls. And they just seem to go in more and just ignites our bench and our crowd when the ball gets popping. But um, on our break, if we can, if we can't get up the side and we can't get into a, a quick curl, we'll reverse it. And on a reversal, we're really looking to drive the reversal. I yep. mean, we might shoot the three if it's there, rhythm, but we're really looking to drive any reversal. And then, uh, then a kick, kick, energy ball um, on those type of things. And then finding you know, where where your center is, how quality of a big man do you have? We'll, we'll play into that too. Maybe you might be looking more into that stuff. So. We've had this last year, we played with two bigs. We we're looking to get into high-low stuff. Okay. Um, if we didn't get into high-low, we were doing more ball screen. Um, in years with less big guys, we were just really looking to, to drive it as much as we possibly could. So that, um, to get to the big guys, uh, it's still kind of those, like looking to reverse the ball or whatever, but it, what changes to try and get, if your best players are the big guys, what changes to try and get them the ball? So on, on those type of things, we, we – we let him just try to figure out his favorite block and not run him block to block and then try to just really work on the reversals, um, making sure that he's working offensively on airtime with the ball. So if you think like the course cut in half, ball goes from the right side to the left side. And a lot of times, you know, our right-handed post players work best on the left block so they can turn to the middle with their right hand. So if we're in that situation, the ball gets reversed, he's really got to pin his man before the wing touches it to give him an angle. And then if you can get that work done, then it's either an entry or a drive. And we really try to work on those drives to create space for the big guy. So really getting out and dynamic and, and getting there. So if we have a good big, if we're driving, we're really looking to you know score for ourselves and dump it. And then the kick would be third. You know, in years we don't have a good big, we might have them go um, uh, more opposite or, or getting more into a, a screening position, like screen to help. Um, so a couple years ago when we didn't have a, we had a really good athletic big guy, not good, not skilled though. He wasn't very skilled. He was uh, athletic and rebound. So any drive that he had, he would get opposite and screen our three point shooters, mm -hmm. like, um, like a reverse pin to the corner. So if you think about a right-hand drive and, and a big on the left side, and we have a shooter on the left side wing on that right-hand drive, instead of him creating space under the rim, he would he would kind of screen the the the, um, the help, so we'd be able to kick that a little bit better. So just kind of finding a role for that person, whether you can score or not. 
Uh, what do you feel like is an effective way to practice that? What, what do you feel like you guys have done that um, has enabled a freestyle for your players to be able to make decisions, but also that they're more often than not by the end of the season, hopefully making the right decision? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm up for debate. I'm up for uh, any, I can if there's an easier way to do it, I'll take it. But um, it's I think the number one thing is just like role definition. Yep. Defining like, all right, who's going to be taking the most of the shots um, and, and what our roles are. And then trying to to get everybody to buy into those to those roles and not necessarily be defined moment by moment in those roles, but understanding the big picture like you might be a ball reversal guy, but if you're open on the reversal and knock it down, um, I think film, film does a lot. If, if you approach it the right, right way, I think, I mean, it can be really a, a positive reinforcer or a negative consequence type of thing on film, but, um, we try to film practices and we don't get ball. I don't get bogged down in film. Practice. Like I'm not filming our shell drill or our two ball dribbling, <laughs> but if we're going ODO, um, we really, try to have something on camera we can kind of look at those things and then trying to even you know bring guys in one-on-one -on -one in that film stuff and just saying hey you know you had a chance to attack here you didn't what are you seeing um right you're attacking here but look how you know three guys are open but you're forcing this tough shot and trying to have some of those conversations in private so you don't embarrass a kid a little yeah. bit but um it's it's a lot more difficult to play motion early in a year Yep. And, and get what you want to get because you're going to have to live with guys you might not want taking the three taking the three to learn how to do it you might have to live with some actions that you don't really like but um probably the main reason we went to that more free-flowing offensive system was because when i came from college and, and and bigger school playing i was really honestly i did did not know how to attack zones yeah so we'd, we'd play We'd have, you know, we'd have a Bill Soft's high low, or we'd have some ball screen 20 stuff. And then 90% of what we saw during the season was zone. <laughs> so we spent two weeks putting in man offense then for nothing, you know? So we felt we had to have a little more system to be dynamic. We could attack man and zone and just really learn how to guys to play. So you hope things seep in as younger kids as they're kind of coming up, but it's, it's not easy. I don't have a magic touch. I don't think other than you just got to put the work in. Yep. Um, so if you get stuck there, coach and stuff's not, you know, you're not able to just flow or whatever, are you ever running a patterned offense or is it all true motion? It's up to decision makers by the, um, by the players. I'm sure you have set plays every once in a while, but what does that look like? Maybe when you've come up a little bit against the wall or you just, you're not scoring where, where you need to. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely have um, set plays, more set plays than set patterns. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we might have a high, low continuity at some point, depending on our personnel, but it's usually a quick hitter if we don't get something. Mm -hmm. um, but if, let's say, I mean, if we have 10 plays in our arsenal, eight are against zone, yep. we do a lot more set plays against zone to start the action. And I would say we, you know, we'd, we'd start action against zone in a set play and end action in a man against set play. You know, yeah. we really probe, probe that. But you're right. There's, there's times if, let's say, a team is just switching or they're doing something, you know, to really take us out of our game, um, we'll, we'll definitely run more zones and those type of things and just not force things. Um, and it's tough for guys, you know, especially in a, in a, if you have kind of a free system where you want guys to shoot it, like shooting deeper is not the answer, <laughs> you know, so like. <laughs> 
how, like, what are you doing to earn your shot? You know, um, not necessarily going away from what we're doing, but like, can we get some different executions? Are we curling our screens to force help? You know, are we just getting lazy and getting pushed off our screens? So kind of attacking our fundamentals before we just start, all right, we're going to run a thousand set plays. Yeah. Yep. Um, does the, so you talk about more set plays against zone. Um, does the like rules of your motion change very much against zone? I know you said in transition that it's really pretty similar, um, but does that change maybe after you're in that, you know, in more of a half court situation? Yeah. Uh, like, like almost a hundred percent different. And okay. that's where, that's where some of the young players um, have a tough time. So like um, if you're getting driven, if you're getting driven at on a perimeter and a man to man, you're, you're getting corner or you're coming from a high handoff, like those are actually, and then in a zone, if we dribble at you in a zone, you got to curl through the zone to back to the top. So let's yeah. say, you, say you're at the top wing. I'm at, you're at the right wing. I'm at the top. We, we do a lot of zone stuff where I'm going to dribble at you and you're going to curl back through the high post into the, into the top of the key to kind of to define where their help's coming from. And that's hundred percent different than what you the dribble again. action is in, in a man to man. And it, it does, it does, it, takes a lot of time and we have a lot we have to have a lot of growing pains early on um, when those things happen so um yeah those are different um obviously the post areas are different where you're attacking from um the driving to the basket doesn't really change so we're still trying to attack baseline still trying to attack um middle those rotations don't change as much but just kind of get the action started is definitely a lot different um could you define any of the, maybe the rules you set for the, your team and man, and then maybe a few of the rules you set for your team and zone, you just did it where you're talking about how you behave in a handoff situation, curling through, et cetera. Are there any other ones that you think have been uh, real key to explaining what you want to your team? Um, man offense, our number one thing, our kids know, so on, on any uh, pass away and we're going to go screen away, uh, we have a mandatory curl in our youth programs in, in JV before varsity, even we want more curls too, but we give a little more freedom of varsity, but it's, it's a mandatory curl screen mm -hmm. on, on the away screen. A um, couple reasons. One, it takes the guesswork out of the passer. Yep. Uh, and two, it always forces something, any type of screen action, we want to put pressure on the rim and we want to put pressure into a closeout. So if we have a, a curl go happening at the opposite elbow area, the guy coming off of the curls, going to the basket, the guy has set the screens, flashing back to the ball and trying to create a, uh, um, a close out there. So we, we definitely, I mean, our guys know right away, you know, like, like you said, if stuff's not getting done at a, at a level of play, um, Hey, our, where are curls at? We need to be, we need to be getting down. We need to curl more um, in varsity. Then we can play a little bit more with a refuse the screen or slip the screen and those type of things, but really coming up, um, those away screens are, are vital to what we're doing. Um, in zone, I think um, maybe our number one aspect of a zone offense is the ball fakes to nobody. We really try to uh, um, let us let our guys understand that you get to play six on five when a team's playing zone. Like if you catch the ball and pass it to no one there, you've just created an offensive player that they, that they have to guard. Mm -hmm. So we really look at that a lot on film and in practice really pass, ball faking to nobody to create advantage on the backside um, and trying to a lot of false motion in zone. Like if, if we have any type of action on the right side, it's usually setting something up for the left where they yep. can't see it. 
Um, and that's, that's a hard concept for young players to understand that, you know, we're doing all this stuff, but it's really for nothing on this side. Like, um, it's, it's, it's definitely a hard concept for young kids to get. Um, we just hope that they kind of get it by, by the time they're in varsity. And then hopefully, you know, January, February rolls around some of those fundamentals sink in. Absolutely. Um, so coach, I'll jump into, you mentioned earlier, you know, you've been there for 13 years, uh, program hadn't seen a ton of success before you got there. Uh, maybe describe what you feel like has been some of the keys to being able to have, you know, state tournament runs the last couple of years. Um, yeah, you know, our, our first few years, I would say the first five, first five years, we never even won a, a, a playoff game at all mm -hmm. uh, in the tournament. It just took a while. We had some decent teams but we could not break through and get in that first um, district win. Um, during those times, it was really just a, a testament to our, our youth parents and our, our, our youth kids getting better. So um, building the youth program has been the entire key. And, and living in this area my entire life, a lot of the guys that I either played with or I coached in college, um, they were the dads of the youth program. So we were able to kind of all be on the same page and, um, those guys and, and coaches that are listening to this at a small school understand that, you know, the, the youth parents, those youth coaches are the backbone of what we do. Um, we it wouldn't matter how good our X's and O's are if we don't have good youth parents, you know, doing some of those things. So a couple of things that, that kind of helped the situation, I think, was the commitment to doing the, the tournaments and the practices and kind of kind of all be on the same page with one. Two was getting our um, small school kids to to play in the most difficult youth tournaments. Yep. So, you know, we're fortunate in an area we were, you know, we're about a half hour, an hour from the Quad Cities. So our kids would go down to Quad Cities and get beat by Bettendorf's and PVs and assumptions. And then by the time we were getting to high school, um, we're able to take it to some of the other two way teams that we play. So it's like really challenging our young people. And, and that's not easy, you know, for kids to get beat. You know, and, and some, of our, some of our better teams, honestly, were able to get, beat those, those teams um, at lower levels. You know, teams that, you know, had some good young talent um, could compete and, and beat some of those teams. But um, being able to learn from those experiences, and that, that comes down to just, like, trusting those dads and trusting those um, people in those situations to um, make sure it's still fun and still enjoyable when you're getting beaten, balancing that with some other things. But challenging kids at an early age, they're not afraid to kind of go against some of those better teams as they get older. Um, I think would be a huge key to the, to our success and, um, and having that same philosophy when you get into high school, you know, where you're playing at in the summer, you know, who are you playing in your non-conference games, um, who you're playing in your scrimmages. Um, and it, it's, it's, we're in a good, we're in a unique situation where we can play a lot of those Davenport schools or go and play in Illinois schools, play Chicago school, you know, and play some of those in, in, in summers and in off season. So that, uh, it kind of challenges us for when we need to have it in this in the season. Absolutely. Well, coach, I think we're kind of getting to the end of our time here. I'll ask you just one more question. If there's anything else you'd like to share, I really appreciate your time today. Um, have shared some really great things, but is there anything else you'd like to say to anybody who might be listening to this? Uh, I mean, any, any young coaches, I would just say, just, um, you know, uh, make sure you're learning uh, at your craft, but also don't, uh, um, don't let your record define who you are as a person. Like, um, understand the big picture. And if you're growing and your kids are growing, that the things will happen. Like I said, we, we went five straight years without having a postseason win. And then when we first got our district title, we haven't, 
we've had a district title, title ever since. Like, and it took a while. And there's a lot of years where you're just kind of doubting what you're doing and, and some of those things. So um, don't let it define who you are. You know, you, I mean, you are, you're our basketball coach, but you, you're a person you're trying hard to. So don't get, don't get bogged down. Success doesn't happen right away. Um, keep plugging away at it and uh, trying to find those little victories. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, coach. Appreciate the time, taking the time to share um, and best of luck to you this season. All right. Thanks. Same to you, Derek. Thanks for listening. As always, if you guys enjoyed the show, go ahead and try and give us a rating wherever you listen to the podcast at. I think it'll help boost us up and make us available for others to listen. And then please share with anybody who you think might be interested as well. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining us today.